confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Africans are not inherently more corrupt than the rest of the world, but there is a truth in the fact that we raised our leaders. The leaders that we have today is a result of the society that we have. What are we doing that's engineering this kind of leader? I would say the biggest thing is the lack of seeing Nigeria for myself as opposed to what I'd heard about Nigeria. That, I would say, was the moment that everything changed. I stepped into Nigeria and I can't explain it actually felt like only through that moment where you're in the car and someone's like knocking on your window people have learned to ignore that i really couldn't ignore especially when i'd see a child first thing would come to my mind why are they not at school what i was faced with was the disparity between the hyper wealth that i got to like see and then the poverty i was added with that i wanted to specifically change this kind of like gulf between the rich and the poor and the way i knew to do that was nigeria is the 11th largest producer of oil ask us how much of that we refine the travel industry is worth two trillion dollars Currently, 1% of that goes to Africa because of this narrative of safety. You're not defined by where you, where you come from. Yeah. And I think that's a big message that I always yeah. want to tell people. Like, like you have to be able to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. When you grow up, it ends. You don't realise it when you're confident, but you have an audacity to do things that ordinarily most people wouldn't be willing to do. Welcome back to the Takeover Experience. We have a special guest in the building. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Corridor, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. You? Yeah, I'm all good. You know what? Like, like I said, I'm very, very excited about this conversation. I think this is a very important conversation to have. It's not one that I've really touched on. I've interviewed people that mm. you know have interests um, in Africa. I've interviewed even somebody that is going to be creating a social media in Ghana. But this conversation is going to be a bit more wider. We're going to be talking on the education piece. Uh, but before we get started, uh, who is Corridor? Who am I? Mm. So I would say that I class myself as a social entrepreneur, somebody who is trying to use a business for good. So for the betterment of others, to build society, um, everything I do has to be impact focused. That's the metric that I live by. So I would say I'm somebody who's very much focused on making a difference and making an impact in on the individual level. Absolutely. So one to one connection, but on a um, macro level as well. So I think that's who I am. I love that business for good and it's all about impact that's so important you know mm. I think I think in this day and age I think too many of us are thinking when we think about business we think about you know just making money we don't actually mm. think about like what what's the legacy that we're going to leave behind Absolutely. right <laughs> Absolutely. and we're going to talk a bit more about how your 
planning to um, leave that impact. But we always like to talk about somebody's uh, backstory. So I guess where are your parents from? My parents are both Nigerian, Yoruba mm. to, be ex- to be specific. Mm-hmm. But their, um, what should I say, their interpretation or their, the way that they lived are two very different worlds, I feel like, that came okay. together, which very much affected um, my upbringing. So my father was born and raised in Nigeria, um, in Ibadan to be specific. So um, another city outside of Lagos but my mother was born and raised in the UK so really yeah very different yeah so partially raised in the UK moved back to Nigeria for boarding school yeah okay so like she got the fresh hand experience yeah Yeah. so it's a very so those two worlds came together Mm. um and yeah that's those are my parents um but they stayed there they met each other at university Mm. um got married had myself and my brothers then came to the UK. Okay, so you were born in Nigeria. Yeah. Oh, mad. How, how long were you like? There I was for? five. You were five then. Yeah. Do you remember much of it? When, Nothing. You, know, you, don't, you remember no. n- zero? <laughs> Not a thing. To be fair, you were quite young. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, mad, 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 mad. And when, I guess, what did they tell you what their life was like in Nigeria at that time? The, and that's why I say it really affects um, mm. how I see or saw Nigeria, my mm. interpretation of Nigeria, my parents' backgrounds, because my mum would focus more on her time outside of Nigeria. So um, because her beginning was like the UK and then any subsequent experience was like her travels and stuff like that, which were again outside of Nigeria. And so those are the fond memories she would speak Mm. of. And the the only experience she really had of Nigeria was boarding school. And she was not a fan of boarding school. (laughs) So her experience (laughs) of Nigeria was not um, like necessarily that positive other than she found her faith there. So Christianity is the one thing she thinks about when she thinks about Nigeria. My father, on the other hand, um, grew up just very Nigerian. Um, His whole experience is is Nigerian. (laughs) Loves his his nation, loves his people. But what I always say is that culture runs through the mother mm. and so my mother's influence was like my first influence of like culture and things like that so that's how I saw society okay. so of course we'll go into a little bit more but Vimwe for me is is funny to me because the very idea that I okay. <laughs> based on my background based on the way I was brought up yeah. right now do this like such Africa focus like let's ah, build it it's like, it's like how contrast, did we yeah how did we get, get there how did we get there? It's <laughs> hilarious to You me. think that these things don't have an impact, but I think I would say, even though that's obviously like, you know, your parents' experience, I mean, you're still exposed to it. Right. right so, right, yeah, right. I think that exposure, I think you just never really know. Because I would say for myself, I think the reason probably why I'm probably a bit more focused on Africa is probably because I, I, I also lived there for school. Ah. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that is the probably the reason. I think when you're exposed to that and you're exposed to those stories, like now you know your mm-hmm. parents' stories, I think it creates some kind of intrigue. Oh, yeah. let me know a little bit more about this yeah, place, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I think the intrigue was delayed though for me. I had <laughs> little to no interest because then obviously I grew up in Hackney for the first part of my like life here and then was Essex right so I went to Essex for secondary school so that's where I came of age as it were Mm. and so um, my experience of um, life very much was shaped by my Essex experience actually that's when Ah, I came of age okay Um, in Hackney I was it was very multicultural when I was growing up so I had loads of friends from all different nationalities I think I had one white friend like just one okay Um, whereas everybody else was either um, like African or Caribbean Mm. or Turkish 
English, in fact, like, but okay. English was like just one, yeah, one no. person. <laughs> I moved to Essex mm. and the story is completely different. I'm like, where are this? That's the one I noticed this country is supposed to be majority white. <laughs> I said, whoa, where are, where are my people? I'm confused. <laughs> but as a child, you, you adapt very quickly. Mm. So over time, that became my new normal. That oh, was my experience. So okay. by the time I got to university, I had very much lost my like, connection with um, being black, being like ah. my ex, yeah, my experience of being black was mostly shaped by other black people in Essex who also had the very same experience as me. Interesting. There was just being black, and then there was being white. Mm. There was no. So I was introduced to colorism at university. I didn't know about it. Ah. No idea until someone was like, "Light skin, dark skin." I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I thought we we're all black. Genuinely, genuinely shocked. Yeah, like, interesting, <laughs> interesting colorism. So, Where's the first time I heard about? I don't think I even knew about colorism either at college. I don't think we were that we talked that, that deep. deeply about it. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think you could be forgiven. Okay, okay. I went to my other friends, yeah. my other like Essex black friends, and I was like, "Guys, like, you know, there's categories of black people," and they were like. <laughs> Yeah, we just found out. We were shocked because we only had like you're black, like that's yeah, that's it, yeah. and then, then you're you're white mm. or you're English or whatever. Mm. So um, yeah, again, like I said, it was a very delayed um, coming to this whole kind of like being Nigerian, being African. Yeah. That happened. It was okay. actually awakening was at uni. I would say. Oh wow! And okay, that started. Wow, so. that's incredible. <laughs> okay, we're, we're definitely gonna touch on that 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 uni and experience and the awakening. Just but just going back a little bit. So you talked about obviously you you say you went to school in Essex. Was yes, it, I went to school. Yeah. What was that? I guess what was the experience like for you? Were you really into your studies? At, you know, at school. Absolutely, I was very studious. Um, I really enjoyed school. I loved learning. Um, I was a. I think the word is amiable. That's the Yoruba word for mm. like a know it all. Like I okay. miss. I know. I was. I felt nowhere about putting my hand really? up. If I know someone, okay. I didn't understand when other people were like shy to pretend that mm. they don't know something. Me, if I know it. You're gonna know I know it. Like, yeah. so, <laughs> I was like, yeah, very much a very studious, very into my education, and I did well. So Okay. Yeah. Wow. All A's, yeah. Yeah, pretty Whoa. much. A's, A's Oh pass. my god. That's I my... think you might you might be the first. Let really? me not disrespect the other <laughs> guests because we've got we've had very intelligent guests. In yeah. fact, I'll say all my guests are very intelligent in, in their own ways. But yeah. wow. All A's. Yeah. Mad. Okay. That's great. <laughs> and what was your favorite subject out of like everything that you were? Maths. Maths was your favorite. Yeah. So you're a math genius. Maths. I mean, I I think (laughs) I figured out maths in my own way. So the thing I love about maths or came to love about maths was that Mm. there's always the right answer. I'm somebody that just likes like what is the answer to life? I'm still we're all still dealing with that. Trying to figure it out, right? Maths, there's a right answer. Yeah, that is very true. So I loved that. You know, maths was also the only thing I could do while watching TV. I loved watching TV a lot. So like I can because it uses a different side of my brain. Mm. Um, if you're reading. You kind of have to concentrate on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas maths, I can do the maths problem while watching TV. Yeah. So I got to do my, all my favorite things at once. Okay. Just, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So, and then you also were living in Essex at the time as well. Yeah. What was yeah. that like? Like, explore a little bit more about like what was it like growing up in there? I guess discovering yourself in. in yeah. So. um yeah, growing up in Essex was, um, it was fine. Like, I think people wonder whether, like, you I would deal with, like, racism or anything mm. like that. No, overtly. Never had any kind of, like, experience where I felt um, like I was, like, targeted or anything like that. I very much, though, grew up knowing that I was, like, 
not the same as everybody else. Everybody else, majority, it was a majority white area at the time. I think that's very much changed now. Mm. But where I grew up, I was like the only black person in my class. There were other black people in maybe the year, but and we never hung out. Like the other black people never really came together to hang out. It was just all in our own little separate group. So yeah, my experience of growing up was like, yeah, I knew I was like black. That was very clear, but it was like, not the focus in the sense that we just ended up hanging with all our friends and mm. we had a good time. There was mm. just no focus on, yeah. on that. Um, I did play, <laughs> I did have a good time with um, things like hair, for example, okay. um, where I remember one time somebody asked me that um, I had one day I had my normal hair out, the next day I had braids and they were like, oh my gosh, your hair grew in um like over the weekend i thought they were being funny so i went along with it i said yeah yeah like it just i just used this hair serum it grew overnight she's like whoa like as in she truly believed that overnight my hair went <laughs> down to my waist and i said wow i wasn't sure whether i should educate her or not i didn't feel it was my it was necessary so yeah. i don't know if till this day sis still thinks yeah. that i use the hair <laughs> serum sure but she's i don't that, like, you know <laughs> But that's the kind of experience I had. I was the experience of like their first like black friend, their first. Wow. um, Wow. So whatever I said goes in terms of what it means to be black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was half of the time making up as I went along as well. So even though you said you felt like you were different, I feel like that realization because you don't. I feel like unless you're having certain conversations with people, you don't. Yeah, you you know. Okay, you're different color. But in terms of recognizing like differences, you don't really, I guess, when did you think, feel like, oh my God, like I'm actually culturally different, things are a bit different. Yeah, Yeah. I think I felt it when I would go to my friend's house and then like Sally's mum would say, call me um, like Melissa. I'm like, I can't call you Melissa. (laughs) I can't do that. I'd say like Mrs. Something or I'd say so-and-so's mum, right? And they were like, nah, you're making me feel old. Just call me Melissa. I said, this is like, you just now I'm not gonna talk to you yeah. because what's not gonna happen yeah. is that someone's gonna catch me saying, Hey Mel, as yeah. if we're mates. Yeah. We're not mates. So <laughs> those mad. moments would make me feel like, mm. oh, like there's there's a difference culturally there. Mm. Um, but it never made me feel uncomfortable per se, yeah. in terms of like I felt like an outcast or whatever. Mm. Those moments, yeah, yeah, I realized that I was um mad. yeah, but we're working on the different conditions yeah. and rules. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. Okay, so then obviously math, math whiz at school. University, what did you decide to, I guess, study at uni- university? I know offline, but obviously mm-hmm. for like the watchers and listeners. Yeah, I studied law. Okay. Um, I decided at the age of seven that I was going to be a lawyer. Like, I Really? Remember, okay. I was like, there are two options here. I could be a doctor or a lawyer and I'm going to choose law. It's funny because that's such a very Nigerian thing very to Nigerian, choose. Yeah. But my parents were very like, just be whatever. I remember. Okay. Interesting. I, yeah, I wanted to study um, drama at GCSE and I was like, yeah, sure. Whereas I had another Nigerian friend who said that she had to lie to her mother to be able to study um, drama. I was like, I just didn't understand that, mm. you know? Like I said, again, these are experiences I had because my parents, it, there was a different, like my upbringing felt slightly different yeah. in, in terms of because my parents had a different background themselves. Mm. So my dad tried to like tell me to join, to um, go on X Factor, for example. He was like, oh, really? yeah, like, he was like, you can be a singer. I was like, dad, I don't want to be a Seriously, singer. Seriously, very That's laid back. Very like, I, yeah. I describe my parents as like, 
hippie Nigerian Christian parents. Like, is okay. this weird kind of like, yeah, like they're cool with so many things um, in okay. terms of like, be who you want to be, be yeah. the best that it go out there and like yeah. conquer the like world kind of thing. Yeah. But also very Christian in the sense that like the rules of uh, our home were very much just Bible based, mm. not culture based per se. If culture contradicted the word, we go with the word. That's, that's mm. how my parents were. Okay. They made their own rules based on their okay. faith like and that. based on what they thought was right as opposed mm. to culture dictating things okay so i lived in a very kind of free space as it were in terms of mind mm. my mind i was allowed to ask questions i was allowed mm. to say listen dad i don't agree with oh. what you have to say about that Ooh. because xyz and my parents were very open with conversations that is like a that. very good lesson for our like, parents <laughs> to learn, honestly yeah i've heard some stories where you're allowed, allowed to question you your parents. Question, yeah. yeah. My parents were, grew up frustrated because they gave us that ability <laughs> because we will use that. We're like, no, daddy, we're not, I'm not sure that's the case, you know? And he would sit down and we'd have conversations. Okay. You know? That's good. So, I like that. yeah, I grew up very, uh, I'd say, free and very in, in, in that perspective. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you, so you wanted to be a, a lawyer yeah. from, from young. And uh, so you end up doing law. You also said that there was a bit of a, you started to discover yourself more. Can you talk a little bit more about that at university? What was the changes yeah. that you started to discover? How did it happen? It started with the fact that I wanted to be a lawyer um, since I was seven. And then I got to university and realised, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be like in terms of the law degree itself. Mm. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer for the fact that I very much was interested in justice. Yeah. And the, one of the first things you learn uh, in law is that the law the legal system isn't about justice mm. it's about law and order first mm. really struggled with that <laughs> so I already I'm now dealing with this idea of like wait I can't really change the world this in through the law because the law itself is not doing what I thought it was to, mm. going to do which is justice had that dealing with that also dealing with this idea of um, ACS I joined ACS at university mm. and so it's the first time I'm meeting I mean, as in since moving to Essex, um, black people from all around the like the country, mostly South London. Again, okay, never been to South, South London. London. Have you never any, been to South London at that point? I haven't okay. been to <laughs> I don't think, or anything like that. So I remember yeah. one of my friends saying something like a slang, and I was like, he's like, you have no idea what I said. I said, I don't know what you said. Like, I genuinely was like, it's a completely different experience of yeah. being black. And um, like I said, the first time I experienced the, I like the, the definition of colorism, I wouldn't say I, I was exposed to like, I had someone was like colorist towards me or anything mm. like that. But like just introduction of like, oh, there's a thing, uh, categories of black people dealing with that. Then also people talking about African or in other people's household, they, they would make this joke that in their house was like Nigeria versus mm. outside of, they would be in, yeah. they're in England, but in their house is Nigeria yeah, or yeah, Ghana. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really, hadn't really thought of that either okay. so a friend of mine would be really excited about going to like mm. Ghana over the holidays I'm like like that's not how that, that's so random to me you know so again these are new ideas and yeah. new thoughts that I was coming into contact with um that I just hadn't necessarily been exposed to and it got me obviously thinking mm. um and I, I didn't think much of those things yeah um but you know subconsciously these things are starting to yeah. um, change your perception of Mad. things and perception of life so wow that's what you need wow life. that's crazy Do, yeah. you, so I'm guessing you had never been to Nigeria since Literally. You had to come. Oh yeah. wow! Okay, cool, cool, Literally. cool, cool, cool. cool. So, do you have family in Nigeria? I do. I did do. you conversate with them a lot? 
Do you? Not really. Not so really. I didn't okay. have okay. any real like contact yeah. or communication with okay. uh, Nigeria. My only okay. understanding of Nigeria was on a Sunday to Sunday basis where mm. the uncles after church would come together <laughs> and talk <laughs> yeah. about all the problems of Nigeria. Okay. There's corruption. There's one auntie who found out that her husband has another family in another country. And like, there's the, like, the wow. there's another, there'll be another one where like so-and-so, um, the, their money, they tried to mm. buy land in, in Nigeria and, the, and suddenly now they're yeah. like, that is all I heard, That's you know? You so I'm like, oh, okay, what's my business then? You know, like, what's my, what's my business all that? So that very much was contrary to what I experienced in oh uni where people are speaking quite positively of yeah. their heritage and their background. I'm like, yeah. What am I? What are you missing? Yeah. What are you missing? Man, man, man. Um, okay, cool. So, okay, obviously, university happened, law happened. I guess at what point did you decide, oh, yeah, law is not, it's not happening for me? Second year. Second year, okay. I, I was doing like a, a, what was it, like work experience okay. um, at a law firm over the holidays. And I sat at the bus stop on my way home. I was like, this is, I'm going to have to accept this is not for me. I'm going to have to accept in this moment, this is not for me. But then I'm in a crisis moment because I don't want to be, I have never wanted to be anything else. Okay. So where do you start? At, mm. Like explaining to yourself and then everybody else that this isn't what you want to do. And then what do I want to do? You know, I have mm. no idea. And so that was a really, really difficult moment for me. Um, and it at least opened up the conversation of what am I good at? What else am I interested in? Okay. Uh, at no point did education come into the conversation <laughs> until much later. Um, education my, and Africa. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, okay. Two very um, th things I hadn't even thought yeah. about until much later. But that was the moment I started thinking through okay. my options. Mad, mad. And obviously at, at uni, you were discovering yourself a bit more. I guess when did the interest would you say do do you feel like you developed more of an interest about learning more about your heritage at uni? Did it happen at uni or was it like after after it uni? was um yeah at uni, I loved, um, obviously, like, I, my experience of um, my culture has always been through food anyway. Mm. My parents yeah. loved, like, Nigerian food. So we yeah. always had that and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but in terms of the knowledge of the country and things like mm. that, that happened after uni. Okay. That would be, like, after uni where my dad um, literally finished university. My dad comes to me randomly. I'm like, I'm going to Nigeria. Do you want to come? Come. Okay. I'm like, listen, I got time. I don't know where I want to be. So sure, okay. as long as you're paying, I'm coming. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and so he literally said, Okay, come, like, you know, you finished uni, there's no reason why not. And okay. that was my first time of like actually coming to into contact with this idea of like Nigeria from that perspective. I think going to Nigeria, okay. um, like um, seeing Nigeria for myself as opposed to what I'd heard about Nigeria. Mm. And that I would say was the moment that everything changed okay. like i i stepped into nigeria and i can't explain it it actually felt like home it sounds so yeah. like it sounds so <laughs> random because i had never thought about yeah. it beforehand but in that moment i was like i'm in nigeria you know yeah. i i really was so excited my experience of it was nothing like what all these uncles had said mm. i had a wonderful time but then there was a moment where so street hawkers you see people hawking on the side of the street um mm. while the cars are passing yeah, by yeah, and yeah, people yeah. would always like knock on the knock, windows yeah, and, crazy. and everybody in the car would just be continuing yeah, their conversation yeah, as normal yeah. and i'm like Are you guys gonna ignore <laughs> The purse, I, I'm, I'm like, but daddy, like, and he's just be like, just, you know, just be ignoring the situation. I couldn't, I really couldn't ignore mm. that. Especially when I'd see a child, my first thing would come to my mind, why then, why are they not at school? 
Like, mm. I don't understand. I'm here in September, so I knew school had started mm. again. Um, and that kept coming into my mind. Why are they not at school? Like, there's so much that this society has to offer. I was really fortunate to be in the, like, really nice parts of Nigeria. I enjoyed the best Nigeria had to offer. And so everyone was adamant that because I, they, you know, they wanted to prove a point as well, almost. Like, I had, like, the best time. Everyone was, like, proving. So you had a good time in Nigeria. I said, like, yes, you know. Mm. But I, what I was faced with was the the disparity between like the hyper wealth that I got to like see and then the the poverty and I just how those two worlds you know how they meet and that was only through that moment where you're in the car and someone's like knocking on your on your window um, but people have learned to ignore that I couldn't mm. and that started that ball rolling in my mind okay. um i got back to the uk trying to figure out what i want to do with my life and all i could think about was like nigeria nigeria i'm like but why i don't understand like you know why is this thing so why is it like yeah. so impactful for you like so, why is it impacting you like exactly. that exactly yeah. and so the this, the conversation started it was like okay, the first thing i do when i want to understand something is look at the, their history mm. and their politics were so two things at you at in college, I studied politics. Um, at GCSE, I studied history. I, and I figured, you want to know how things started? You look at those two things. Mm. And so I just started doing research. I was like, I'm just going to appease myself, this feeling that I'm having, by just doing some research. Let me just okay. understand. And so I started learning about Nigerian um, politics and the history. And that's where I you know, started building this um, okay. yeah, knowledge I have today, I would say, about Nigeria, about yeah, that's my, crazy. my background. Wow, wow. It's so it's you know what's so interesting when you're <laughs> saying what you're saying. I think that you I think we all understand, you know, countries, there are less wealthy countries in the world. We understand that. But I think and we acknowledge it. But it's like it really blows your mind when you go there and you see it and you're like, oh, wow, this mm -hmm. is like it's because it's so in your face so like it's so in your face that like, hits you there's you can't even escape it exactly. you're walking down the road like i went to ghana for my friend's wedding you're walking down the road you've got like three four five kids begging you for money and you're like you know it's like hard to say like no to yeah. them right you know i even had them um, one um it's funny because when you're saying the car thing that always happens you have people selling but then i had one it was really hard to ignore him because he literally was that he came on, he, like, his legs was amp amputated. So it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I can't say no to this, this guy. Is... I have to... But so people are ignoring, I don't know. Yeah. But I suppose yeah. they, when you get used to, to it. Yeah, so it's like the, it. the constant um, like barrage yeah. of help me, help me, help me as men that you just become immune mm. to it. But those of us who have just, you know, the first time experienced yeah. something like that, it it's, yeah, you, you feel that. But I felt it to a, a level that, Honestly, I, I can't explain to this mm. day why. And of course mm. it has led me to where I am because it tapped into something within me that was dormant. Yeah. Right? Because because we all see problems. I see problems all the time around mm. me. Like there are people here that need help. And so, mm. Like society is um is built on problem solution, problem solution. So like mm. they're all around. But this one tapped into a part of me that was was dormant. Mm. And um I think each and every one of us have that. Like we yeah. have a thing that we're we're built to solve. And that was mine. I happened yeah. to come into contact with it there. Yeah. And I, I, I won't say I ran with it. I mean, it took like 10 years. But like I <laughs> I started the process crawling. Okay. And, you know, little by little accepting. Um, because I do a lot of work in my mind as well about yeah. believing that I even had the right to, to try and solve this problem. Okay. You know, because yeah. yes, I'm Nigerian, but like I always 
felt like the diaspora isn't very welcome, you know, when it comes to like us trying to sell from, oh, here we yeah. go. They come with their their <laughs> ideas of how how we should live and how we should do things. That's That, that was my understanding. Yeah. Um, that hasn't been my experience, but mm. that was my misplaced that what you understanding. Thought it was. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think they're very welcome in there, Absolutely. to be honest. I think you, it's just you have to in, integrate yourself there. Okay, so you came back from Nigeria. It was obviously a transformational experience. Mm -hmm. I guess what, ha what happened next after that like obviously you're trying to figure out like what you were what your next step was going to be outside of law mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i was trying to figure that out i um looked at marketing that okay. did not work out marketing, uh, marketing. yeah literally i was like you know what i want That's... something creative i want something yeah. exciting marketing is very technical even, even to this day as anybody who's in entrepreneurship will also tell you that yeah. oh wow this marketing side of things i could i could really <laughs> leave it if, if if i didn't have to do it i would leave it so marketing i tried marketing for a bit didn't work out and i went to this seminar i asked um what is it that you're good at mm. like that's it what is it you're good at and i'm like i'm good at maths what I am is good at maths and I'm good at English. Mm. And so I said, well, I suppose I could teach other people about it. But I wasn't sure. Then my phone rings, right? Very, very random. My phone rings and someone leaves a message. I was, I was busy at the time saying, oh, we're looking for a tutor um, because uh, like we saw some information and we're looking for a tutor. I thought it was a wrong, wrong number. It was mm. very random. Two days later, I get another call, very similar, different person. Mm. We're looking for a tutor. I'm like, what? Sorry, where did you get my number from? They said they found um, a leaflet. So when I was in um, just about to go to uni, I decided with a friend that we would just make some leaflets and to do some like a side hustle, let's make some extra yeah. money before going to uni. And on that was my number. And so this is like five years later, people wow. now find this leaflet and are calling. And I'm like, Huh. okay confirmation maybe i should lean into this and that is how i found myself in education okay that's it. wow and that's how you started tutoring yeah. people and you're tutoring maths yes i was in maths okay. and english yeah wow that's maths how i found english. education so that's how you got into tutoring yeah wow that is so interesting and you're still doing that to, to this to today, yeah so right? i have yeah. like um an education now yeah. like company and one of their arms would be that is um interesting yeah, online tuition did you think that you'd be an entrepreneur was that part of like your goals or I would say it was one of the things I was exploring, um, okay. but I thought that, you know, like much mm. later down the line, you want to start a business later, you know, mm. but it, it wasn't something I planned on doing so okay. early on after uni. That's so interesting. Okay, so obviously you started doing that for how many years at this point? Ten, you said 10 years? Yeah, so it's been about like eight years, something okay. like that now eight officially years, okay. to um, doing that. Okay, so doing that for eight years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I guess your foundation how did that how did that happen obviously we know that you you know going to nigeria had an impact but i guess a few years further down the line what was like okay the inspiration for okay i want to start a foundation to yeah you know, start educating i Africa. i said one of the like i said the one of the things i had to work through was my mindset like mm. be feeling that i even had anything to offer like mm. to, in terms of a solution and what would that solution look like you mm. know i was adamant that i wanted to um specifically change this kind of like gulf between the rich and the poor um and the way i knew to do that was education you know um myself i of course like i said i went to university and things like that but before that my mother my father they both went to university again so it was just a, a normal thing and on my maternal side my grandparents went to university it's just mm. a normal thing it's the way that my um my maternal lineage had like uplifted themselves from like village life all the way to like 
you know, yeah. um, the life that they ended up having. And so in my head, I was like, okay, this is the way of answering this problem of of a disparity but what does that look like it does, it does it look all i knew was tutoring and it's private education mm. that i've been used to how do i move from private education, oh, to, private education? no as in like oh. the private as, oh, in as the in tutoring, tutoring. itself okay, yeah it would okay, be okay, people okay. paid them yeah, people rather pay. than okay. um it being like free whereas now mm. in order to help a society that they, they wouldn't necessarily have the means to pay yeah how do we solve this problem and so it took years, absolute years, um, to really get to what Vimoye is today. Um, it took talking to friends. I remember bringing three of my closest friends together in um, a room and was like, listen, I have this idea. Please tell me it's rubbish. Like, I almost wanted them to tell me that I couldn't do it because I, I just didn't understand why I wouldn't let this thing go. But they, fortunately or unfortunately, were like, this is fantastic. What you need to do is wrong with this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, but how do I make this happen? And so again, one of the things I did was like iterate, iterate, iterate. Mm. I didn't have to have the solution. Even now, like I would say we're still iterating, still niching, but I was willing to do the do the necessary thing as I went along. What I understood now, I would work on. Yeah. And then as I got more information, I would iterate. Okay. You know? And so eventually we got to this point in twenty twenty where we had our launch of the Vimoya Foundation. Okay. And yeah, at that point the focus was on education but basic education that's not today necessarily our focus but at that time was basic education mm. with the vision of um or the mission of building young people and helping them you know um, improve their life uh like chances through education okay. that was that was the initial that focus. was that was the initial focus okay wow and when we talk about basic education we mean like is it like English? Is Math it like maths? Yeah. Is it science? Not necessarily. Basic? At the time, it was the focus was like, okay. oh, if, you know what? If we could just do maths and English, yeah. that would change okay. lives. I know that today, that's not that's not the case. <laughs> because what I learned was, if everybody learned maths and English today, right? If everyone could read and, and write and mm. whatever, but what have we solved? What they can read and write, but what is the solution? Yeah, what, you know? what, what, yeah. What is the true. skill that they have, which is they now have. where a skill based charity, oh, okay. right? Okay. What is the skill that they have mm. that they can bring to the market? The okay. maths and English doesn't do that. That's just a yeah. basic. That's just a literacy. Yeah, yeah. that's just yeah. a literacy yeah. thing. Yeah. But yeah. in order to actually, you know, take your skills to the market, you need relevant skills. Okay. And that's how like Vimoy has now moved to what it is yeah. today. And you said skills based, right? Is that yeah. that's what, what it is now? And that's a uh, what kind of skills uh is it, I guess, teaching? So our focus is on STEM. So okay. that would be nice. the science, yeah. the tech, the engineering mm. and the maths. But from a perspective of like what are the future problems that we we see yeah. um in our society? What do we want to solve? And then we work backwards. And that's how I got to STEM. STEM has the necessary skills, the necessary education to solve the problems that we mm. know are coming or even are now, but will continue to be the case if we do not start, you know, solving mm. them now. So okay. I saw STEM to be that solution. Wow. And that's uh, that's sourcing volunteers, right? You're matching volunteers with... Education, education yes. Yeah. So we have found education organisations that we yeah. know that are solving that problem. So okay. within the grassroots mm. there, um, and they're providing this um, solution of education in STEM, so either science or tech mm. or whatever it is. But we know that with help, they would like 10x because my initial thing was like oh i'm gonna just start a foundation bring a bunch of kids together and like teach okay, them so that's right what you're gonna do. but right. every single person i spoke to was like any idea i had like oh someone else is doing that oh yeah they're doing it. i'm like if everybody's doing every idea i have under the sun why have we not seen a change yeah. and i realized that 
um, everyone's working in silos, you know? How do we create a network where we're all working together to create impact? Remember, my metric is yeah. impact, right? Okay. So I'm like, okay, they're doing a great thing, but they're all drops in the ocean. So mm. how do we enable these organizations so that they're working uh, more effectively and more to be more impactful? Um, and that's how we got to Vimoy and that's how we got to the diaspora. Oh, I love oh, the diaspora. Okay. I am convinced that the diaspora is the um, like secret weapon of Africa's progress. 100%. Like, oh, I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. by that. And if you speak to any diasporan, they're interested. They just mm. know how to get involved. Mm. And Vimoye is like, we'll show you how. How do we okay. make sure that you take your skill and put it in the place that it will be most impactful? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, that, that's so, I yeah, like that. That's it. Because I think it's true because a, a lot of us do want to help, but it's like, where do we start? And if we do start, like you said, like, are we making an impact? And then some, I guess some people get worried about corruption and, you know, all sorts oh, of, so many all things. sorts of things that, you so know, so I'm things. really glad that you started that foundation. And it, I guess if people wanted to, um, you know, sign up, they can sign up. Obviously we'll have the Absolutely. links in the, in the description if they wanted to support and uh, obviously the skills. I think tech is definitely a big one because I'm in technology. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm very forward thinking in that mm -hmm. aspect we're always going to need technology and i think if you have i think you need to have this i mean even in the uk they, there's a shortage of those skills and they're trying to really ramp up because they know we all know like exactly. that's a very that's point, as well as science of course so and engineering mm -hmm. so yeah that's that that's amazing amazing why do you think it's um i guess important to you know build i guess the future of africa yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important because um, I I believe that the Africa that is uh, possible requires work. Like we've been mm. living on this Africa rising narrative for a long time now. I grew up with Africa rise, Africa. Great. When will Africa rise? You know, I, when will we get to that place from potential to actual actualization of this you know and um i believe that that's because we can see the potential everyone sees that you know we have a strong youth uh, population we have so many resources there's so many wonderful things that we see but if we do not figure out a way to enable our young people to to strengthen them to be able to actually use these resources then then we all yeah. we actually have is a problem yeah. because everything is a two-edged sword right like if you are not using it um for good it will eventually be used for bad that's just the reality of yeah it. and so we have a responsibility to um the next generation to give them the africa that i feel like i deserve looking back yeah. now i feel really like i have to get i've had to get over it but i feel like the last generation did us did us dirty why did i inherit and like a nigeria that looks like it is today or like the yeah. africa that um we have today um because that wasn't the story that i hear from my grandparents my grandfather went back and forth in um, back and forth in england right and to nigeria just freely because mm. there was no, it wasn't a big deal to be in England. Mm. It wasn't a, like my mum's like brothers was born in Nigeria because she my grandmother carried the pregnancy back to Nigeria because it doesn't matter where you were born at the time. Mm. You can be born in England, you can be born in Nigeria. It didn't make a difference. Mm. That is how great Nigeria was in terms of function. There was once a time that it was one naira to one pound. So why do you need <laughs> to leave Nigeria? Why do you need to leave that? It's doing well. Yeah. But then today, look at the Nigeria that we have one one pound to one thousand one hundred naira. Is it one thousand one hundred now? 
Last time I was there two years ago, it was like 700. Now it's 4,100. Just going down. Just go, and security problem. My dad would talk about a Nigeria where you walk around and like there's no problem, there's mm. no fear. Now, any any moment you're talking about um, arm, wow. armed robbery this or what, you know? And and so I feel hard done by because that wasn't mm. necessarily the Nigeria they inherited. Yeah. But today, this is the Nigeria they gave to us, yeah. you know? And so <laughs> I can be mad or I can solve the problem and yeah. say my children will not inherit this. Yeah, Nigeria. that's crazy. Uh, and the youth are... You know, writing, which we're going to discuss a little bit, a little bit later, um, as well, because I guess they also feel hard done by, like, why, where's all the, should, yeah. the the um, opportunities? I wanted to know as well, what like what other projects is the Vimeo um, Foundation working on or have has in the pipeline? Yeah, yeah. so we have our Skills Match program, yeah. the one that um, we're asking diasporans to find your skill. You already have a skill if you're in the UK. I know that you're doing something, and so whatever that is, whatever you were educated in, we're saying, how do we turn that skill? into like impact mm. on the continent and we want to help you do that so that is the program that we're really really pushing right now on top of that we want to help the organization that we work yeah. with like with physical resources so we have a physical resource provision that we're working on where we're getting them more like laptops and com yeah, computers that, yeah, and, and things website, like yeah, that okay. yeah because um the, the there's some incredible work happening but um, one of the places i visited for example there's one laptop to like 10 children really and okay, so you're like enough, they, yeah. they have the the knowledge that they're passing on yeah. but the practical skills that these young people need means that they need more mm. physical resources so we want to plug the gap in in that space so that okay. these amazing organizations can be as impactful as they you know they're capable of being yeah are you getting yeah. support from governments out there <laughs> no sir <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet. They'll know about us. Don't worry about yeah. it. Give it time. They're, oh, they're gonna know man. about us. Okay. But... I was I was hoping for yes you are, but okay, fair, fair no. enough. Fair enough, um, fair enough. Currently no. I think we're working with charities. That's, okay. the, that's the focus right now. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um and but the ultimate aim is yeah. is government because okay. of the again impact. Um, you can't yeah. hear me say that so many times. Uh because of the impact that the government arm would have, you know, mm. access to more state schools specifically. Yeah. So there are many state schools. Education is free in Nigeria, right? Mm. The level of education is what we're struggling with, is the, is the yeah, quality of that education, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're saying, um, and, but they're very closed about it. They don't mm. talk, they don't let people in. You can't just enter a state school no, in, yeah. in Nigeria. So it's difficult to mm. help when mm. they're being closed off. But we want to, we want to get to a point where, yeah. you know, that's where we're impacting. Wow, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, good luck. <laughs> good <laughs> luck, hopefully, you know, because I think we have to have these conversations more, educate people, get people lobbying on it, get people, put this at the forefront of people's mind, which is yeah. why I wanted to have this conversation. And I want to have more conversations like this so that we can actually get these things done. Because I know you're getting it done. So I think you should obviously get the support. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think it's important. I was wondering as well, like, the parts of Africa that your that I guess your foundation is working on Nigeria. Yes, I'm assuming is there yeah. any other parts of Africa currently. Yes, so we're at? in West Africa is the focus. Okay. So we're in okay. Ghana as well. There are a few like other organisations. There's like one or two in maybe um, like Liberia, for example, and, and things like that. We actually have one one thing that we're doing in Kenya. That was one of our first projects that um, during COVID. Um, yeah. Okay. An organisation reached there, out yeah. to us. Yeah. Um, that you know they've got vulnerable children and because of covid 
the parents have lost their jobs and things like that. Mm. How do we get these young people back in school? So we have that and we've promised to support those children right up till they finish um, high school. So um, that, that work is just really exciting, really incredible. And that's like the one opportunity I would say that where I directly um, work with like the children themselves. The other organizations that we, the work that we're doing impacts the organization, which then impacts the okay. children, of course. But this organization in Kenya is yeah. like where I get to see the direct impact. Oh, I, I remember that. one of the kids that we took on and um, I just jumped on a Zoom with them. I want to know um, your story and things like that. And she just started crying. And I asked her like um, community leader because he was on the talk. Mm. You know, why is she crying? What's the issue? It's like, so like you don't know what, what you're doing has saved her from. Like, had you not taken her on, had you not, um, mm. you know, done what you're doing, she would have likely been asked to get, like, get married because the, the family would have to um, f figure out a way to look after her and they couldn't. Mm. Um, and we're talking about a child here. We're talking about a child. And mm. so, like, the work that is being done, the work that mm. I'm asking people to, like, get involved in is not just impacting on a macro level. We're talking mm. about individual mm. lives changing here. Yeah. And I never want people to miss that picture as well. Mm. You know, we want society to be changed, but society is made up of people. Mm. And we want those individual lives to be changed on the yeah. way. Wow. Wow. That is powerful. That is yeah. cr crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess you definitely prefer the way you, the direct impact rather than <laughs> indirect, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. um, or, or a mix of both. A yeah. mix of yeah, both, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I also I have to remind myself, I, I try to like go to Nigeria or any kind of like the West African country that mm. we have a presence in. I try and go at least like once a year is what I want to do because um, I have to always remind myself of who, who we're serving and why we're doing what we're doing. Mm. It can feel quite like you feel a bit far away from the problem yeah. sometimes when you're working with just organizations, even though you know people are behind them mm. and you you know the impact that you're having on those, yeah. but you need to sometimes see that to remind yourself, oh, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know, it's the actual people that make that, make us, make it feel like it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. It's so, yeah, it's so important. You have to, so you say you go at least once a year, right? That's what yeah. I'm trying to do. You're Let me be honest. That's how someone will now say, uh, ah. <laughs> Look, you are doing more than most of us, so we can't even talk. We can't even say nothing. Like, come on, like. No, you're doing it. You're doing uh, absolutely amazing work. I guess what challenges, I guess, have you faced whilst, um, you know, obviously trying to build your foundation out there and build the relationships? Yeah, um, I think one of the challenges have been getting over the mindset that other people have of Africa that they projected onto me. So if I'm mm. in Nigeria and I want to go and meet an organization, the organizations we work with aren't in like the nicest mm. parts of, of the country. And so um, I remember one of, um, I was checking out one of one organization. Like if I had told anybody where I was going, they'd be like, don't, don't go there. Yes, Guys, that's dangerous. You know? And so I have to get past that fear so often because people, project that their fears onto me of all the thousands of things that can happen and then that slows me down you know so one of the things is mindset because when i go to any other country i have ignorance is, is bliss in that in the sense because other countries have many problems there are security issues everywhere but because i don't know of them i just live my life anyhow you know but in because i'm so close to the problem in terms of i have access to nigerians i'm constantly told of what happened here this is happening here and and so i i'm always like fighting myself as it were in my mind especially when i'm on ground and that's that feels like it slows me down so i think mindset has been a major thing that i'm constantly having to reassess yeah. all the time another issue would be like culture um, culture being like I always want to toe the line of respect for culture I'm very very big on the fact that 
the West, the Western way isn't the best way. Right. And so, but I have to always, always understand that because I was raised in the West, there are mindsets and things, the way I perceive things that feel, might feel frustrating. Like when I go, like, why are things done in this way? But I have to accept that there, there's a reason things are done in this particular way mm -hmm. and I have to respect that. So I have to understand the problem first mm -hmm. before seeking to solve okay. it. Um, and so I say, I would say, I think mindset has been one of the biggest, yeah. biggest things that I've had to like, yeah, work through. Okay, I hear yeah. that. I hear that, and yeah, I definitely know what you mean about people say, "Oh, be careful." Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things with Nigeria, a lot of people say, "Don't go during election times." Yes, oh, it's dangerous. People are getting kidnapped. This and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, and I'm not even saying these things aren't true. But then when you ask somebody, "What about? Oh, wow, have you been kidnapped?" They'll say, "No." Oh, have <laughs> any of your family? Be, nobody knows anybody that these things are happening <sighs> to. But people allow this concept of fear, and I, I won't say that there isn't a security problem. I'm not gonna. Yeah say that but what i will say is that they have let this concept of fear overshadow any like yeah. positive that's happening thing a positive thing that's happening there and it has made us stand still like yeah. that has stopped us from making progress yeah. because of fear yeah and yeah i have to battle that all the time yeah yeah i think yeah i think it's i think that is something that definitely is um you know i think there's a lot of hearsay there's a lot of discussion things spread like wildfire without actually you know, like you said, there's security issues and there's mm -hmm. issues everywhere, like safety concerns in area, even in London. Let's be real, there's safety concerns in London. Top boy <laughs> has made me realise that people, I know Nigerians are afraid to come to South, to like South London or East London because of Top Boy. They're like, oh, I don't want to get stopped. I don't want to have to <laughs> exactly. Are you right? Like, I said, uh... it's actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's not like that. Like, exactly. people take things so literal, but exactly. you have to experience the, the place for yourself. So, you know, we the foundation. What's, I guess, what's the vision, the overall vision that you're, like, you know, hoping to achieve? Yeah. So, the vision that I have in my mind for Africa as a whole, but starting with Nigeria, I always say. And the reason I say starting with Nigeria is one, that's my experience of Africa, first and foremost. But secondly, because Nigeria makes up one fifth of the, in terms of population, one fifth of the continent. Wow. I right? didn't know it was that big. Yeah. Wow. So I'm convinced if we fix Nigeria, we fix the rest of the continent. <laughs> like right literally, that right there, and yeah. that 20% is, you know, Mad. pushing out to the rest of the, the continent. So yeah, we make a big difference by solving that one side. But the vision there is that I want Africans, um, home and abroad, to have Africa as an option. Okay. Right now, it doesn't feel like Africa is an option. No, that, no, no. You know, you want as yeah. much as possible if you're on the continent you're trying to leave, right? Yeah. Um, and if you're or not, if you haven't left already, you don't necessarily think about mm. going back per se. You know, it's not necessarily an option in terms of building a life there. But there's, I feel like there are so many other people in the diaspora, not Nigerian. I mean, like other ethnicities that they can consider their home mm. as an option. You know, and so the vision is that I, as a Nigerian, at any point, I can consider all of my options and that those options should include Nigeria mm. because Nigeria functions yeah. the way it's supposed to function. Mm. So, yeah, I'm looking for and looking to build a Nigeria that is for Nigerians, you know, mm. that works well. The systems work well. That is, you know, providing it's providing for its people. Mm. That's what country is supposed to do. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking to do. Wow. How's your journey been as, uh, I guess, as an entrepreneur? Because obviously you're balancing quite mm -hmm. a few. So you've got your tutoring business. You have your foundation. Are you do any any other stuff else? Yes. Yeah, so I, I work as well. Like okay. I have a, wow. um, a job. And, oh my gosh. Um, in education as well. So I'm very, I'm still wow. very focused on now. Wow. Why do you work thing. so much? <laughs> 
<laughs> because there are bills to pay. But also, I think that the way I balance all of those things is like time management. Like I'm big on on time management, big on routine, but also big on doing things I love. Everything I do, I have like they're building me up in any particular way. I took on like a role because I there were skills that I felt like I needed that I mm. felt like being somebody who jumped straight into entrepreneurship post uni i felt like there were skills that i didn't pick up that other right. people picked up at some point okay. you know and i was like no you know what yeah um, i'm somebody that is haven't had no problem pivoting i have no problem changing my mind or whatever it is because i can see the benefits of of being humble enough to be like ah you yeah. know what i lack a skill here i lack a you know any particular thing i will go and look for it yeah and so um everything i do has meaning um, and a purpose to it and a timeline okay timeline <laughs> so you're very long-term thinking it seems like yeah love that that's yeah. very important a lot of people are very short-term thinking you know yeah. and um something that i think what's so interesting in life right although some people are short-term thinking <laughs> you forget that life just still goes on anyway mm -hmm. so you say oh, i don't want to wait five years well the five years is going to come right exactly so you might as well just exactly plod along right <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's yeah it's crazy um so obviously you've, you you know you have a, a lot of experience working in africa and working with um, organizations and people on the ground there i guess what are the main struggles and frustration that the people have told you that they're experiencing yeah i'd say a major one you hear all the time of course is corruption everything mm -hmm. has begins and ends with corruption whenever you are on ground i'd say and then the other thing would be unemployment. Okay. Unemployment is a major issue. Um, and the third thing would be security. Those are the three things that you would hear, like the, the things that people feel like are holding people back. And actually the fourth thing would be mindset. Actually, a lot of people don't feel that critical thinking as a concept is um, championed, encouraged on the continent in general. We would hear loads of people say that we're just like, we're not looking to solve our own problems. And that's a big, big issue because the problems are around and we can identify the problems, but not a single person is like, hey, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to try and, you know, solve solve that problem. And not as a not as a like in terms of how we teach our young people to think. Yeah. The first solution is I need I need to get out. Is that Even though yeah. it's, it's so interesting that we're a community based culture, but when you look more deeply, it's still very much an individual kind of like solution yeah. in terms of like the way I'm going to solve this problem is me, myself, I'm going to leave. Yeah, relocate, you know? yeah, yeah. That's very true. It's yeah. very interesting. But then yeah. when we come here, we still look to retain our sense of identity to yeah, Nigeria, right? Exactly. Or wherever we are in Africa, right? Yeah. We can't let go. We don't just let it go and be like, I'm now British mm -hmm, or American mm -hmm, or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're absolutely yeah. very much because we know that someone says because we are reminded of it regularly here, yeah. first and foremost. But also it, there is a part within us that knows that mm. there is more to us, more mm. to our story, more to yeah. our experiences yeah. than just the UK. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, um, so why do you think yeah. the governments are not like trying to address these things? <laughs> because many people say they are the problem. That's, that. <laughs> how can you address something that you yourself are? Like... <laughs> <laughs> have caused but i think that our governments are how do i explain this a reflection people will say that our governments are a reflection of our society like though you people say that you get that the leadership quote unquote that you deserve right and i find that to be very harsh but there is a truth in in the fact that we raised our leaders the leaders that we have today mm. were as a result of the society that we had that's that's and true yes. that's difficult to accept but it's something we have to say okay yeah. so how what are we doing that's engineering 
this kind of leader, mm. you know? And I would say the biggest thing is the lack of systems. I'm, I'm a big, big, big proponent of like pushing the concept of systems. I have been saying this from the beginning that there's no such thing. Africans are not inherently more corrupt than the rest of the world. Mm. It's, that's not the no, case. No, I don't think so either. But yeah. people genuinely think that if you talk to a Nigerian, the the one of the things I used to hear growing up is like, just you just need to start again. Like every just there's no <laughs> you just need to start the whole country again. Like everybody just, you know. just press a restart exactly, button, isn't it? it. Like, it's gonna be mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. And but then yeah. we have to realize that the only reason people here do the right thing is because I know that the CCTV will catch me if I don't tap in at. <laughs> <laughs> at the station and if I don't tap out automatically I get charged the full amount Yeah. so I'm going to tap out mm. and I'm going to tap in you know mm. and so consequences have meant that by default people do the right thing mm. so it seems like we're better people here because we're so used to doing the right thing mm. right that we've forgotten why we do the right thing Yeah. and so we expect that for some reason without systems and without consequences that Africa should just do the right thing you know Yeah. and that's I think that's incredibly unreasonable. Yeah. So we're talking about our leaders. We're saying that we need to build better leaders. We need to cut society. We need to look at the systems that create that society. Mm. And we need to reject those. We mm. need to make better systems um, that by detail give us the, the, the leaders that I think we deserve. Yeah. I love that answer. And I love what you were saying <laughs> because, no, you know what is your facts is a deterrent. And... We can go philosophical. <laughs> you know what it is. But, you know, uh, yeah, us humans, the, the, the truth is, I think we do need, like you said, we do need consequences. We do need deterrence. Anything's a deterrent. If you have a security camera in your house, like you mentioned, yeah. CCTV, that's a deterrent to prevent robbers exactly. from going away. If they think, like, oh, okay, if I do it, is, is it worth it? Yeah. No, it's not worth it. Let me leave it. Me right? Like, that's what you want to create in society. And I think you're right. We do have to have systems in, the right systems in, in place. And I guess in, my experience in Nigeria is that some of the systems that we have in place, like for instance, with police, they can get bribed. Okay. The reason they can get bribed is because they don't get paid enough. Do you know what I mean? Yep. That's, that's, that's one of the reasons, Absolutely. right? That they, they will accept if they got paid enough, they were able to feed their families. They would not be able to be. To then we be can bribed. have that different conversation. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, on that topic of, you know, governments, <laughs> a lot this year, I would say mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk in the continent of governments being, you know, taken over by by militaries, right? Like a in a coup, right? And there's been lots of rioting as well. I guess, why do you think that is happening now in the, in the continent? What's your What's your opinion on that? I think that, um, like, first of all, I would say in general, this whole kind of like the different coups happening. I wouldn't say I've plugged in majorly to mm. the conversation around it, but from the little knowledge that I. I I have, I would say that one of the unrest, I think the unrest started with COVID. Yeah. I think that that was the moment where young people had enough time to sit at home. The hustle had to stop, right? And for a moment, we were like, wait a minute, why are we accepting half of the things that we're accepting in our society? It was a trigger. I believe COVID was a trigger to what we're seeing. It happened multiple times in, in Nigeria and it's happening now across um, Africa. And I think that it made young people realize that we have accepted a normal that we're not actually interested in. We don't want this. And so young people around Africa are are standing up. And I think that's really exciting. But I also want the conversation to be around what's next. Because what what we've seen, it's happened in Nigeria multiple times now. We've kind of risen up and we've been offended and whatever it is and then we went kind of back to the status quo you know yeah and so what do we do to use this kind of kind of momentum 
What are we going to do to use this momentum to bring about change? If young people are angry now, can we have a better conversation now about how we upskill them, how we help them to go from where they are angry to to have to be empowered yeah. to now bring about change? Maybe that's maybe that's the way. I'm not sure, but mm. I'm saying that my question is more about what's next because yeah. we have seen uprising on the continent, yeah. not just in this season, in other seasons yeah. gone, and we're not. No, not much progress yeah. yeah i guess that leads me to the next question in terms of we always talk about you know africa having so many resources so resource rich yet we have a youth unemployment <laughs> issue yeah so then the it question is is, is why, why do we have that issue of, of course unemployment exists everywhere but why specifically i guess in a continent which is so resource rich you know if you talk about the middle east right resource rich oil rich i'm not and saying they they're were, all living yeah. good but it's known to be wealthy. Wealthy, yes, wealthy. yes, yes. You know, they could do investments across the world, but for, for Africa, it doesn't seem to be, not to say that there's not wealthy people. Mm. There are, I recognize that there are millionaires there, there's billionaires there, but in terms of this parity, mm-hmm. it's quite big, so. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Why do we have this problem? We have, <laughs> we have um, resources, we have a strong population. Mm. What What's our problem? I think it comes down to a number of things. One of those things would be, again, mindset. Right. Our education system does not encourage, like I said, the people, that's the one of the things people bring up, does not encourage like critical thinking, doesn't encourage questioning, doesn't encourage like finding solutions. Right. Instead, what we're doing is that we are building people who are like outputters. You know, we by default, like I said, the top thing when you ask an African parent what their child should be, it should be my doc- doctor, lawyer, uh, engineer. What's the other one? Ac- accountant. Yeah. Who are you doing accounting for if there's no business? Who do you, do you see like these are outputs? These are as a result of a system that functions. We need problem solvers. We need entrepreneurs. We need people who see an issue and say, how do I resolve that? Having resources isn't a solution. It's it's the raw material itself doesn't solve a problem. It's what you do with that material that then solves a problem. Nigeria is the eleventh largest producer of oil. Right? Ask us how much of that we refine. <laughs> I don't think we do any of it. None, not to. Yeah. But oil by itself is useless. Like by in the raw in the raw way, we haven't solved anybody's problem. We, so we sell it off at the. That's the cheapest way to to sell oil. Is that the in the raw form? If we would then solve a problem, which is to refine it and then sell it, we are now making more money. So do you understand that we take our resources and we sell them at the lowest level where they are of the least value because they don't solve a problem. We now need to create. What we need to do is build a generation of people that are seeing problems and saying this is a solution i'm going to make that solution and then solution providers now can employ people because those are the people who employ people Mm. those who have solved the problem and now they need help to be able to you know hit the mass market or you know um, export that thing so we have to really rethink who we're raising yeah if we're not raising Africa's future workforce, then then we're a failed system yeah. because education is to solve our own problems. That's mm-hmm. first and foremost, yeah. right? If we as a society identify, oh, okay, we have a problem with like bad roads. That's something you hear all the time. Like there's a bad roads or we have a problem with malnutrition yeah. or we have a problem with like um, certain diseases that we are yeah. yet to find a solution for. If we are not solving those problems, then as as an education system, we have failed. Yeah. Because that's what that is the. Pu- Do you think that they give free education in this country because of benevolence? <laughs> they have no, done the numbers and not. realized that if we can make sure X number of people graduate, yeah. whoever they will make us this amount. Yeah. 
that's that's Student the loans, working, taxes, all absolutely. of that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They know. So yeah. why have we not done that maths? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> that is the maths we need to be doing. It's not benevolence yeah. to, to focus a, on the education. It's a system. It's a system to make us spend money and to keep the country running. Exactly. Of course, you know, and, and now they've even increased the fees so that you're going to be in debt for even longer. You might not even pay it off at that yeah, point. They're, yeah, they're, they're you just be paying interest exactly. forever, yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, the system of education needs to realise that it has to solve a problem. And if we're not solving problems, then we have what should be a benefit to be a problem. Because if we do not fix our unemployment situation, we actually have a problem. Yeah. That's that's what we will have because yeah. currently the unemployment um, rate is right. Is yeah, we have an unemployment problem, but um, the number of jobs that are coming out every year is not equal to the number of people. The mm. population, the population is growing at a faster rate than yeah. jobs. So more poverty, more wider gaps, and so we can have yeah. an even bigger, bigger problem. problem. Everyone's talking about how yeah, how exciting that our population is. If we do not solve this this um, disparity between yeah. the number of jobs we have and the population, mm. right? What we should do is be concerned yeah that's so yeah hmm. we need to rethink wow the system of education it's crazy because actually what also is happening simultaneously is we're getting a lot of investment from another country mm -hmm. china very big country mm -hmm. china so I, I was doing a bit of research on this and um i didn't know how much they had invested I've, I've seen 155 billion dollars i think over the last i think they say 20 years which is wow. a lot of money yeah a lot of money and now apparently they are biggest trading partner <laughs> us uh, used to be the yeah. biggest trading partner yeah. there's another conversation topic that i think i'll and now apparently us and europe are trying to get back in now yes, potentially because of china and china yes, has made china. it such that hey yeah. if you don't come in that they will own africa exactly. at that point that's what they always exactly what Africa should be owned this by anyone. We should be we should be a um a partner to the other ones. Not let me not say rival because I don't think that's a correct term. Mm. But we should be on the same level, continent wise, and we should all be trading. But it shouldn't be about owning. So I guess investment from China to Africa. What's I guess what's your opinion on that? Yeah. So my thoughts on foreign direct investment in general had to be rehauled because um, I think like most Africans, we're just a bit cautious we're a bit you know we're, i think because of our history right any kind of foreign support feels like neo-colonialism all over again we're just afraid we're like oh no so people but this time just in a different way you've just come you you really are trying to buy us out again but um using your money and you've let us sign papers so now it's even official like it's a document that we even collaborated <laughs> with you to sell to sell ourselves back you know and so any african looking on the outside feels a type of way we are uncomfortable it feels uncomfortable but also we have to realize that investment is also something we need right we don't want we need to keep money on the continent but we also need money coming from other countries so with that in mind we now have to figure out like okay yes we do want investment we do want support but what that support looks like we should have a say in that i suppose it just depends on how you see china but is china doing things that are benefit i don't from I'm what gonna i read have no. to based on the <laughs> the documents and things yeah. like that i'm concerned that we have sold ourselves short yeah right of course yeah, yeah. and that's my issue yeah. my issue isn't the investment itself we can work with whoever wants mm. to to do business with us but it has to be on our terms and mm. i'm and i don't think we have come to the table as equal players 
No. Right? Yeah. We have come as like, oh, we're really grateful that you have given it. But no, no, no. China isn't doing it, again, out of benevolence. And that, when mm. we realize our power, we come to negotiate in, a, negotiate in yeah. a different way. It didn't have to be China. It could have been any country. And if we had realized that, right, we would have negotiated under better terms. Mm. And so I feel like uh, China has done what China would do for them, what's best for them, as any nation should. But I don't necessarily think that the African nations have done what's best for them no. and that's my biggest issue with that yeah and so again i'd have to do the, the terms of of these to see to see where we move from in, in next time will tell as to whether the agreements that have been um, like brokered uh will be um beneficial to the the future of africa yeah I don't think so because I think there's some exchange of resources there, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. And China needs those resources Including to build land. whatever they're building. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We're losing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like I agree. I think that investments are um, important. I think that it's um, necessary. But it's like you said, it should be like equal exchange. We're getting in, if they're investing in the country, what are we getting out of it? Are they going to develop? some parts and we we will have some ownership of it or is it just like are they just giving us money and then we're just spending that and then that's actually it. we've not seen anything but they mm -hmm. own more mm -hmm. of, of the of exactly. the continent right it's like yeah um and things like that I, and another thing i would say when it comes to foreign um investment is that we again we have to come to the table as equals. Uh, and one of those things should be a requirement that you use Africans, right? On the continent, locals, yeah. right? To do the work. 100%, the yeah. Other countries have this as a, yeah. a requirement. Yeah. But for some reason, we see that like in Chi like Chinese companies are bringing Chinese people, Indian companies so are bringing just like Indian employing people. employing their people, yeah. So the money is no longer staying within our community. That's a major, major mm. problem. Not only have we then like kind of like brokered this deal that isn't necessarily on the on the best terms on top of that even the individuals our people are not benefiting even mm. at, on a short-term level yeah. from these things and so again i just i have no idea how much we have really got ourselves into i think like a time will tell mm. but if there's any kind of like reversal that could happen or bringing other trade partners in those conversations need to happen yeah. quickly yeah very quickly. very quickly <laughs> Um, because everything that we're doing now, if we now find out that, oh, China now owns most of the, the, yeah, the continent, then where, where do we go from there? Exactly. You that know? would be very, very wild. <laughs> I guess um, in terms of support, what support, you know, can us disporas, I guess, be here in the UK, US, across the world? How can we, I guess, um, support progress in, in Africa? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the major thing Vimwe is pushing is skills, okay. you know, finding what your skill is. And I'd actually love to do more on helping diasporans to actually narrow down what that skill is. I think people know that they have a job, right? But they're not sure they really understand what their skill is, what yeah. their offering is, um, and then how they can then plug that into what's happening on the continent. So yeah, watch this space. We'll see what we can do about that. Um, so yeah, definitely narrowing down your skill and bringing it to the continent would be one way. Another way is through travel. This next generation is really big on travel where as diasporans, as well um where we travel uh, a lot where's that money being spent the industry the travel industry is worth two trillion dollars right currently one percent of that goes to africa because of this narrative of safety right this fear of safety but 
we need to change that narrative as Africans ourselves. If we're posting pictures now, we're in this place, we're in Kenya, we're in Rwanda, we're in, you know, mm. then then other people want to go there. I remember I was in Ghana a couple of years ago and um, my English friend messaged me on Insta, like, hey, next time, can you take me? Like that, he now saw that, like Ghana mm. was so exciting, so fun that, that it's now an option. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so tourism is huge. We need to change that. And by the way, 35 countries in Africa are more safe under the um, the Global Peace in Index, right, than the USA. Okay. I don't think twice without, about going to the USA, right? <laughs> That's but, true. But people think twice about going to Rwanda. And go, they have to guns go to in the places. USA. And we're just like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. going to New York. Oh, yeah, I'm going to California. Yeah. But, but there are 35 countries in Africa that are officially more safe than the USA. So we need to change the narrative. Yeah. And as Africans, we start that. Yeah. So. I guess talking about your experience, what would you want people to know? You know, you've, you've traveled around, you know, Africa and you're working with Africans. What would you want people to know to encourage them to actually take the leap and take the chance? Mm -hmm. And actually on that note, I've met a lot of people that have traveled a lot within Africa more than me and they're not African and mm -hmm, I was shocked mm -hmm. some people telling me they've gone to Ghana four times I'm mm -hmm. like what this is shameful I've yeah been, first time this year I've been to Kenya I've been to Africa so what am I doing I need to to do more am I, yeah I'm, I'm African they're not and they they've been more than me yeah like, literally yeah literally I think it's um and I think I love that it's really exciting I think my mom the other day told me that her like her work colleague is going to Rwanda and things like that I'm like wow what's going on like i'm happy like I, that's what i want to hear because that's how we're getting the change in the narrative and that clearly yeah the word is getting out that you know africa open for business you know yeah. we are there's so much to see there's so much culture there's so much yeah. to do you know and i love that but as like as africans ourselves we ourselves are we you know going to the continent yeah. does it does it like does it feel like a holiday to us because it just seems too close to home i don't know maybe <laughs> that's that's a question that we have to ask yeah. ourselves but if we're interested in making a difference it has to be like something we consider how we spend our holiday money yeah. it has to be um something that we we think through genuinely go through the list and be like i haven't been to this place to me that's my next holiday i haven't been to this place that's yeah. my next holiday yeah, yeah be intentional Amazing, amazing. Yeah. And, you know, Africa's got the youngest population, they say, in the world, mm -hmm. right? Well, the the continent, right, has is known to have the world's youngest mm -hmm. population. I guess, in your opinion, what do you f think the potential is for that? Yeah, so the average age across the continent is 19. Wow. 19 compared to Europe, which is, like, I think, 49 or something like that. That's the average age difference, right? So we have, like, this... this energy and this zeal this this that is running through the continent and it's a force for good if used for good you know mm. and if we don't pay attention to it like i said it will now become a problem instead yeah. so our potential is that we have um, young people that are mobile enough upwardly mobile strong enough to be able to build the continent and that's what I'm, I'm saying like physically mentally we actually have through our population uh, potential we have those people that can literally be put to work, you know, compared to other parts of the world where, you know, actually they're, they're, they have a major problem mm. on, on the horizon where they are now begging young people, listen, if you can come and move here, you can help <laughs> us, or this will go extinct, yeah. you know, right? Whereas we don't have that issue. That's not an issue. Yeah. And so what we need to do is upskill. And that's what I'm saying. If we can give these young people the skills that they need to be architects of their future, right? Architects of their society, then we are onto something 
huge mm. like i'm so excited for what's possible but it's all hands on deck there's just so much to do with that number of people to help you know it means more people need to plug in yeah wow wow it's it you know what this this conversation has been great because i feel like this is a start of you know more conversations like Absolutely. this i definitely want to have more conversations uh, with you about this and you know keep you connected uh, understand what's going on with yeah. the foundation give us updates and how we can um, obviously support you as, as as well as much as we we can mm -hmm. but yeah no it's been it's been it's been great holiday like yeah it's been a light conversation well, honestly i could have a conversation <laughs> for hours with you about this kind of stuff because i have like a lot of passion for it and i know mm -hmm. that you have a lot of passion Absolutely, for it yeah. um i guess where can people find you where can people you know find out more about your foundation and things that you're doing yeah so um the foundation is under uh, the Vimoye Foundation on Instagram and on LinkedIn. That's where we're most active. Uh, myself, I'm on Instagram as uh, this is Kurde. And um, those are the two main ways. Our website is vimoyefoundation.org. That's where you can like sign up to be um, like under our skills match program. Um, currently what we're doing is trying to just build a, a network, just build a list of diasporans interested. Then we start kind of like putting people into programs and things like that but this initial point is getting the word out so sign up folks yeah make sure to, to <laughs> sign up people definitely really appreciate you know your efforts appreciate you coming uh, down today and you know just uh, talking to us about what you're doing and the impact that you're making really really appreciate hearing your story as well and yeah good luck as well for the future definitely Thank like you. i said i definitely just want to you know stay connected with you mm. in terms of what you're doing and I hope that, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, I'm just excited for, for, for the impact Thank that you're going to you. make because I feel like you're, you definitely got the right mindset, you got the right skills and it's something that's close to your heart. Mm -hmm. I guess actually the question I have for you, what are your parents saying about it? Because you're saying like, you, so like, you know, funny. different backgrounds. So what are they, what are they, what are they saying about this? I told this? you that my parents yeah. are team, whatever you want to do, yeah. we're going to back it, yeah. right? Um, regardless. Um, and so when I first uh, thought about doing something um, on the continent and at all, I was like, they're like, I don't know how, you know, mm. um, they take it. I knew my dad would be like excited because he's like, oh, like Nigeria and stuff like that. Um, but I just didn't know. Like I said, like the stories I heard were mm. just focused on like yeah. the negative. And not for my parents, let me be very clear. They weren't the one like spewing the negative, but the environment yeah. specifically yeah. was like negative and nobody counted that. So that that was uh, that was the issue. But my parents are very pro, listen, whatever you choose to do, do it with everything. Yeah. Be the best at it. That's it. 100%. That's literally, that is what that's it. About, yeah. And so they, yeah, they back me 100%. I'm forever grateful because honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't do yeah. it without them. They, yeah, they help on every level, you know, mm. um, like, yeah, support financially, ev in any, every kind of way mm. that they can okay. back this. And the connections. Oh my gosh, my dad is like, so many connections okay. so whenever i'm in nigeria like i need to speak to somebody about this mm. we need to get like a crate for example of the the goods mm. um soon first person's like hey dad you know someone wow. in this oh i know someone yeah i know someone wow. so i uh, shout out to my parents honestly wow. forever Love that. that's the full for and that's yeah and it's for wildfire wildfire course as well so amazing exactly amazing. exactly amazing. so yeah yeah Amazing. Do you have any uh, final words for the watchers and listeners? What I would say is that as diasporans, we need to see this problem or this thing that we're trying to solve as our own is 
for our own benefit as well. It isn't this kind of like, oh, benevolence that are, like we're doing something good for Africans or those Africans that couldn't make it out. Mm. Oh, like we're doing something for them. No, we need to own this problem, own this cause as our own because of the fact that um, when Africa progresses as a whole, all of us around the continent and around the world progress. The version of racism or the issue that we have today in, in the UK, um, I think is a direct result of how we perceive Africa mm. and Africans. And so when you realise that I have another option, you know, I have another place to go. I have um, um, somebody who will fight for me because other countries, when an issue arises, you know, you're also fighting that nation, mm. right? If you touch one of their citizens, you're you're dealing with yeah. the arm of that of that. Um, nation africans don't feel like that mm. we build africa we build our nations and then we have more power around the world yeah and so let's take this on as our own we all benefit from this yeah. love that yeah. love that great <laughs> final words and it's inspiring me to you know have more conversations <laughs> like this on the podcast which we are gonna do thank yeah. you uh corriday so much sorry guys about the camera uh the <laughs> the the main camera on corriday uh the battery just ran out yeah. so yeah but yeah we we coun't just stop her her, her, her <laughs> powerful final words i hope that you've enjoyed this episode of take for experience and we'll see you next week's episode Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.